my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Americans are planning to retire earlier and earlier and earlier, and there's a new trend that can actually help you get there. And later in this episode, there's an outrageous grocery charge you have to hear to believe. So Americans are living generally longer than we ever have before. We've had a two-year decline in lifespans in the United States as a result of coronavirus, but that is thankfully going to be a temporary effect. And the general thing is when you get into later life, your expected lifespan is so much longer than it used to be. You think about how many people are living past 100 now and very common to live into your 90s. At the same time, Americans want to retire earlier and earlier and earlier. So what's the chance that you would retire before age 62? Before age 62. I mean, it's getting to where it might be 50-50. But here's the issue. A lot of times, people end up, quote-unquote, retired younger because of age discrimination in the workforce. Employers, it's really a dirty secret. It's not much of a secret. Employers do what they can to purge older workers And then people are left with, depending on what they did before, with narrow options what they do next. Uh, A lot of people who come out of the white-collar world say they're consulting now. And some really are others. It's it's window dressing. And then others end up uh, needing to take at least part-time work that pays less than what they were earning before and maybe not with the benefits they had. So there are people who want to retire early and then there are those who are pushed into it because of what goes on in the employment workplace. We've also had of late people who have voluntarily decided to leave the workforce because they're older and they're worried about being killed by COVID in the workplace. And that has led to a spike in the number of people retiring at a younger age. But I want to talk right now to you if you're particularly between 20 and 45 years old. I want you to be thinking about saving more money, whatever you're saving now, I want you saving more going forward. Because the power in the marketplace goes to those who have the money in a capitalist system. And with what's happening, think about what I'm talking about. People retiring younger and living longer, you have 
this huge portion of people's lives, typically a third of people's lifespans, they may be retired for. A third. And so you're in a position that if you have not been able to save a significant amount of your pay through your working lifetime, you face financial struggles in that last third of your life. On the other hand, if you take a page out of what was all the rage a few years ago, the FIRE movement, which is financial independence retire early, and take the first page of it, the FI part, because a lot of people found that it wasn't as ideal as they thought to retire extra young. But they did find that it was fantastic having financial independence. What does it take to be truly an FI? You have to save a substantial part of what you make over your working lifetime, much more than I talk about saving for basic security and retirement. You have to save a quarter of every dollar you make. Now, the people that are into the full fire they're saving 50% of what they make, 5-0. But if you are younger and you don't have a lot of crazy financial obligations yet, if you can get yourself into a mindset where you're saving one out of every $4 you make, it creates the financial independence that means that when that employer tells you to get lost, or you tell them to get lost, you're prepared for that last third of life. So I know it sounds bonkers that I'm talking to you at 20, 30, 40 years old. 40, maybe you're more likely to say, yeah, I could live that long. But at 20 or 30, it's like, has this guy lost his mind? I mean, I'm 26 years old, and Clark's trying to get me to worry about what would happen when I'm 84? (laughs) Yeah, that is what I'm trying to do. Because a dollar saved now becomes so powerful down the road. So think about it. And there are lots of ways you can get to that 25%. And if you've never heard me say this, I'm going to give it in rapid fire form. When I was young... I lived on every other paycheck. And that living on every other paycheck really had a domino effect on so much of the financial success I've had through my life. And how old was I when I started living on every other paycheck? I was 21. Krista? Okay, mic drop on that. <laughs> this question's from Kristen in Oregon. My teenage son is looking at buying a Ridge carbon fiber wallet. I was shocked when he t- told me it costs $85. On a recent podcast, you mentioned you bought a similar sounding wallet for $13 and love it. Do you mind me asking where you bought it and which brand it is? The extra $70 would sure look nice in any wallet. Well, the one I bought is a UFO off, off, off brand, typical Clark. <laughs> and I found this one on Amazon. It was $11.99. And I have loved this. It holds 
think it holds eight cards in it and some cash has a money clip on the outside. It's got RFID supposedly, so you don't have to worry about the RFID readers. And the brand, uh, let me look at this. <laughs> the brand is called XC Carbon. In other words, it's a it's probably a Chinese seller of an imitation of some kind of brand name. Now, how ugly do you find my micro wallet to be? It's not Christa? ugly at all. It's very nice. And there are many, many sellers. If you look on eBay, you look on Amazon, there are a ton of these sellers of these micro wallets that are selling these wallets for uh, basically 10 to $30. And there are some brand names that may be made better that are a lot more money. But the thing about these, till you've used one of these, mine's the pop-up kind. There's a lever on the bottom. And now follow this magic as you listen on the podcast. <laughs> Oops. Hit the microphone. Hit the mic. You can't hear it, really. No. You click this lever, mm-hmm. and like a magician's trick, all your cards pop up. And they're all kind of in a stacked order, so you can yeah, see so them you all. Yeah, just oh, I'm reach gonna get one of those for my husband. the one you want. And you have the little micro wallet. Don't have to worry about being pickpocketed because you can't get to that thing. It's so small. It's the size of the dimensions of a credit card. And so just uh, when you go online on eBay or Amazon, which sell so many of these ultra cheap, just do something like um, a card holder wallet. Carbon and um, pop-up. Yeah, any terms, like just try different search terms, and you'll find them. And a lot of the reviews I've read are phony for these things. You know, big problem on these websites with the phony reviews. So you really got to take some time digging in and reading. But it, the eleven ninety nine was, in my case, quite a deal. And this is from Tina in Georgia. My husband and I plan to list one of our two homes on Airbnb and VRBO. I plan to notify our homeowners insurance of our plans so we can make the needed changes, but do we need to form an LLC to protect our assets? Side note, we hope to purchase a vacation property within the next year for short-term rental too. So, yes, legally you're required to notify your homeowners insurer, and most of them have additional coverage that you have to pay for, for using your property for a commercial purpose like Airbnb and VRBO. Uh, Do people do it routinely that have properties listed with Airbnb or VRBO? No, but they're leaving themselves exposed in the event there's a claim and they have failed to disclose to their insurer that the property is being used in part or in whole for a commercial purpose. As for putting... Uh, investment property into an LLC. I'm a big fan of that and each individual property in its own LLC because you limit whatever liability risk may exist to that property only and not putting all your assets or other properties at risk. Uh, What sometimes is referred to in real estate law is a single issue LLC is a very common thing that real estate investors do. 
from Kenya and Maryland. I bought a car from Vroom in June 2021. The car is paid in full, but I still have no title and still have temporary tags that expire in three weeks. Vroom is now telling me that I need to return the car, but has given no explanation why. What should I do? Well, Kenya, this is ridiculous, and Vroom is having operational difficulties that have popped up around the country. If you're not familiar with Vroom, they're a smaller kind of player that's doing the Carvana, CarMax kind of thing with fixed prices on vehicles, and they'll buy the one you have and all that. And they seem to have had serious operational problems. Since you bought your car in Maryland, I want you to call the Maryland, uh, it may be Department of Motor Vehicles or whatever the equivalent is that oversees dealers, car dealers in the state of Maryland and issues licenses to them. You need the state of Maryland working on your behalf with Vroom. And what can happen in these cases, and it happened to Carvana with one of their locations in the state of North Carolina, they were screwing up on paperwork for their buyers and the license for one of the Carvana outlets in North Carolina was suspended. Carvana voluntarily turned it back in. And these kind of problems pop up with traditional dealers and in this case with these uh, big, fast-growing players like Vroom and Carvana. And the reality is you should not be harmed because of Vroom's problems, incompetence, whatever. And if need be, you need to find, if you search online, you'll find, you'll find lawyers that have dealt with cases involving Vroom or other online sellers of vehicles you may ultimately need a lawyer to make sure that you are made whole in whatever mess Vroom has created for you, allegedly. And from Gaetano, I work in Michigan and live in Canada and travel across the border every day. My daily travel is 30 miles. The company I work for offers me a new vehicle every eight months that I pay for monthly. The advantage is they pay for insurance and oil changes, etc., I've been in the program for about six years now, and I'm just wondering if it's more advantageous to buy a vehicle that's three to four years old. The only disadvantage is paying for insurance and upkeep. Currently, my vehicle costs me $600 Canadian per month. So I love the idea of you buying a three- or four-year-old vehicle, and your cost of ownership will be meaningfully lower than what you're paying at 600 loonies a month. And so I would be more comfortable over time with you having the lower cost and the reimbursements we're talking about here. And want to talk about, talk about things costing more and more money. Food prices are going up, but I got a question for you. Would you buy three oranges... For $12,000? Well, that happened recently, and I'm going to tell you how to protect your wallet before your next grocery order. Okay, this is definitely a news of the weird story that appeared on TV in Cincinnati on the ABC affiliate in Cincinnati, Channel 9 WCPO. So, it's really convenient to do online shopping, right? 
and the grocery stores are all working on online delivery, online pickup. So a guy named Chase orders his groceries from Kroger's online grocery pickup. And he gets his groceries, everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, all his bills, all his payments start bouncing out of his checking account. Well, Chase buys his groceries with one of those piece of trash, fake visas or fake MasterCards, a debit card. Kroger had a mess up in their system, and the groceries were very, very expensive, like Venezuelan kind of cost, where you need a wheelbarrow to buy a piece of bread, because Kroger charged his debit card $4,000 in orange. Somebody messed up in the database and put in oranges instead of whatever cost they were supposed to be, put them in at $4,000 each, three oranges, I hope he's got good vitamin C, $12,000, and Kroger eventually took care of it, said to Channel 9, Cincinnati, quote, we found that this is an isolated systematic issue. Upon learning of the error, Kroger store leadership met with the customer to process the refund back to the account used to make the purchase. Then they went on to make a donation to the charity of Chase's Choice, and which I thought was good PR on their part. And they're going to continue to monitor that this does not happen again. All right, so when you do online grocery shopping, typically when you buy the groceries, unless you go back to look at the app with a lot of the online apps, you don't know what they ended up billing you ultimately for all your groceries. So he didn't know he never had a problem like this before. But as the brilliant reporter said in the article, there's also one more reminder of the extra protection credit cards provide versus a debit card. Good job on the part of the reporter John, I'll mess up your last name, Matarisi. John, if I butchered your name, I'm really sorry. But he goes on to explain what you may have heard from me many times. Using that debit card was poison to Chase's pocketbook because the money immediately leaves your checking account, causing bills to bounce all over the place. And do you know, under the brilliant rules for using a debit card when there's an error like this, that the bank is not even legally required to cover bounce check charges, even if it's the bank's fault. In this case, it was Kroger's fault. They are poisoned because the banks use their dirty money and lobbying power in Congress to prevent consumer protections on the use of debit cards. They came into being much later than credit cards, which came into being in use, not widespread, but common use in the 1960s. In that era, we didn't have so much dirty money floating around Congress. 
and they used to actually pass things to protect ordinary Americans. There's zero chance that the banks are ever going to allow real protections on debit cards to take place. And so, no, when you use debit cards, even for a routine daily purchase, like buying your groceries, something not routine at all can happen with a huge debit of your account. So, inquiring minds want to know, what would have happened if Chase had used a credit card? Well, we know what would have happened. The credit card company would have declined the charge. But even if Chase happened to have a credit limit large enough to support $12,000 for three oranges, there would have been no money that left his account, just a bad post of a charge on his account. He'd had plenty of time to dispute it. No money ever would have left his account or his hands. And that's yet another moral of the story why you don't use a debit card. And I'd say the other thing is when you're using an app to purchase, it's really a good idea to see what's it actually costing in total. What are you going to be charged for that item? All right. This question is from Kurt in Georgia. I have five kids. My oldest is 27. My youngest is 14. My 25 and 18-year-old boys are on my car insurance, and I pay for all of their cell phones, all of his children's cell phones. Should I have them pay for their own car insurance and cell phones to give them some financial responsibility? Okay, so the 25-year-old, yes, should be on um, his or her own auto insurance. The 18-year-old, no. At 18, it would make sense. Normally, you're probably able to treat them as an additional insured in the household and get a lower insurance rate that way. At 25, uh, the the 25-year-old probably has his or her own vehicle. Oh, they're boys. I'm sorry. They're 25, 18-year-old boys. So your 25-year-old boy is outside of the age where you get eaten alive on auto insurance because you're a guy, uh, you know, under the age of 25, now age 25. Yeah, he should be on his own with that. On the cell phones. If you look at the tangled web of family plans for cell phones in the United States, you got people that have their daughter's ex-boyfriend on their plans. I mean, there's all kinds of craziness involved with these family plans because first, they tie you tighter to a carrier, and second, everybody gets a lower price from having people on one of these family plans. The thing I'd say about the cell phones, though, is there are so many bargain plans now. Is an example visible for your uh, for your kids? Visible is twenty five dollars a person, unlimited everything, owned by Verizon. It's their network, and that's just an example of why it's worth it for people to move on from a legacy family plan on a cell phone, like um, people would have particularly people that are on the old, old, old family plans with AT&T and Verizon. They're tending not to get a lot for it and paying a lot of money for the plan. And so it would be a great idea just in general maybe to uh, bust the family 
cell phone plan apart and see what kind of deals are available for each of you and your family individually or collectively. This question is from Marion, Michigan. Our financial advisor, who we found via the Garrett Planning Network, thanks to you, recommended that my husband and I hire an estate planning lawyer to help us build a will and some other estate documents. I'm looking for a good lawyer online, and as I'm trying to identify evaluating criteria, a main question I have is, are lawyers fiduciaries? Should this be something to look for in my search? Mary, great question. A lawyer is a fiduciary by the nature of what they do and being hired by you. There's not the fuzziness that's involved in the financial planning industry. I would also ask you to go back to the financial advisor with Garrett Planning, who probably refers people routinely to estate lawyers that specialize in estates, wills, and trusts, and see if the planner you went to from Garrett has people that, uh, that he or she really trusts that they would refer you to as someone who might be the one who would be good at doing the estate planning for you. From Lauren in Florida, regarding your recent podcast about cash, I too usually don't carry cash and get stuck without it. But since I moved out when I was 18, I always keep $20 hidden in my car. $20 can get you out of a lot of trouble, from picking up the important item from a grocery store if you forgot your wallet, to allowing you to donate or tip. You'll always know right away if someone's been rummaging through your car if it's missing. Thanks for all you do. So we could change Lauren in this to Lane, because... I don't know if you know this, Krista, my wife Lane's always done that, that she keeps a $20 bill hidden in the car, so if she ever finds herself needing money, a credit card doesn't work, or whatever, she's got that money in the car. Smart lady. Well, Lauren is the smart lady for suggesting it to other people, and we're becoming so dependent on electronics means and plastic means of paying for things, that there are times where you absolutely need the cash. And I don't remember if I relayed on the podcast story about being in line at one of my healthy fast food places. Guy in front of me was paying with the app on you know for that place, and the app the thing wasn't working at the store to accept the payment from the app. And the woman behind the register said, well, do you have any cash? He said, no, I don't carry cash. <laughs> and he walked out without being able to eat. He wow. had no other way to pay other than using the app on his phone to pay. The opposite happened to me. I had to drive to another state for my son's soccer tournament the other day. And when I got there, I realized I forgot my wallet. And I was buying snacks at a gas station, and I remembered I could use my phone's Google Pay, so I was able to buy the snacks. And luckily, it was okay and didn't have my license with me. So you know what the moral of this story is? <laughs> have both. Versatility. Yes, for sure. You have to be prepared for the unexpected. Instead of expecting life to always work the way you've gotten used to it working. And by the way, If you didn't get your question answered or the advice you wanted, do you know you can get free one-on-one advice from our Team Clark Consumer Action Center? Available Mondays through Fridays from 10 in the morning Eastern till 4 in the afternoon Eastern. 
And you can talk with a member of our team, again, for free, one-on-one, at 636-49-CLARK. 